Welcome to the Hedgehog Watchdog. I'm your host, Devin Saxon, joined always by Greg Baldwin. We're the meme team behind Libertarian Party of South Dakota and South Dakota's Against Prohibition. Today's episode is sponsored by PinkCoin.com, uh, Camp Ridger Seasonings. You can check them out at CampRidger.net. And the Dakota Rustler, our guest today is Jay Nygaard, the turbine guy. Uh, welcome to the show, Jay. Hey, thanks for that, and that was a great intro. I really appreciate when people take a minute to uh, to do a little research and see who you are. <clears throat> Hell yeah. So uh, um, tell us a little about yourself and how you got the name The Turbine Guy. Well, as far as getting the name The Turbine Guy, uh, years ago I decided I was going to start a business in Florida called Go Green Energy, and I was going to put solar on everybody's house. But then I came to find out that the only people with money on my part of Florida – were the ones who came down on vacation. So it kind of made it hard. So I moved my business up here. But while I was doing that, uh, I, I researched wind turbines and, and what kind of micro wind could I find that could sustain the hurricane winds and all that. And I happened upon, upon this company called Hivot Energy. They've since changed their name to Hivot Technology. But I sent off and went back and forth with them for a bit. And then I ended up sending like $4,800 over there for a dealer kit for uh, two wind turbines. And, you know, well, while I'm sitting at home for two months wondering if the Taiwanese were up at the opium den laughing at the silly American that <laughs> sent us all this money, right? Mm -hmm. uh, finally, after two months, the turbines showed up and they're real and they're quality and they work. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get behind these and start selling them. But I can't sell them to you until I know they work for me and I can prove it. So that was mm -hmm. my goal. Well, I've been on the local city council and planning commission I knew the ordinances in this community. I knew there was nothing about wind turbines. They were uncontrolled and I could put it where I wanted pretty much as long as I didn't violate the height ordinance, which is what I did. It was 19 feet tall when I put it up. Well, that's when the city decided to go after me. So I've been in a long legal battle with the city. I still got one small wind turbine on my house. So after putting four up, somehow I still have one, even though, even though it violates their code, for some reason that one's okay. But that's how I became the turbine, guys. I became famous over all of this, standing up, not just for green energy, but for property rights and individual rights. You know, basically mm -hmm. the freedom to do what I want to do. You know what? I, I like guns, but I, I don't have a big gun collection. I like trucks, but I don't have, a, you know, a lot of cool cars. What I do like is green energy. So I want to spend my money on that. So, you know, I kind of got invested in that and. You know, it kind of got out of my hands and steamrolled. And next thing you know, I've got all this publicity. I've got millions and millions of views on, on Facebook with uh, the story going on. And you know mm -hmm. what? The turbine guy just stuck because that's who I am. <laughs> when was that? What year was that? Or It all started in 2011 when, when the lawsuit started. I ended up in jail in 2015, <clears throat> I think. And I, I spent five days in jail for having a useless buried chunk of concrete in my yard, which is, especially considering concrete's considered clean fill, it's amazing that, that, that the city and the judges would go to that length. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, it, it's completely amazing. But, well, but yeah. it's, still been, it's still been ongoing. You know, my wife and I were recently criminally charged and prosecuted for Failure to obtain a permit to replace a driveway in a smaller wow. footprint, getting smaller. 
Yeah, yeah. It, it, was, it, it was ridiculous charges. It's pure retaliation. We have a federal lawsuit outstanding now against the city for this. And, and the saddest part about that prosecution was my wife had nothing to do with any of this. She's disabled. Okay. I'm the one who does the construction. I pull the permits. I do everything. Well, they criminally charged her in an attempt to get me to comply with their illegal requirements. Wow. That's disgusting. What, that uh, was, what town are you I'm in? I'm in Orono, Sorry. Minnesota. O-R-O-N-O, -O -O, Minnesota. And they're real easy to find on the internet if someone wants to send them a comment and talk to them. And you know, I can tell you about the public works guy or the former head of public works who just got promoted to uh, to, to be the city administrator. He His name's Adam Edwards. And when the city put the street in out here, they slanted it towards us. And they did that maybe three years ago, four years ago. And I was out there trying to tell them you're screwing up. You're screwing up because it's a narrow street. And I don't need that water on my property. Well, sure enough, when we got the house next door, there's water coming into the driveway. And this supposed engineer, civil engineer, told me that the problem was the driveway settled. Now, I sent back to him wow. an email and said, what do you think? I'm a moron. I said, the driveway is 30 years old. The road is three. <laughs> okay. Mm -hmm. I'm not the problem here. So, of course, they, they get obstinate when you point stuff like that out to them. Um, so how much power does, like, a wind turbine on your home generate? Uh, it depends. They've got four different sizes. There's a 300-watt, there's a 700-watt, the 1,500-watt, and the 3,000. The 300 can only be uh, off-grid application for 12 or 24-volt battery bank charging. The other three can either be off-grid at 48-volt or grid tie at 220. Nice. So that can power like yeah, uh, we're kind of layman. Yeah, we're layman's on this subject. So like, sure. What what can you expect? You know, uh, well, on a smaller unit. You know, what kind of well, what can yeah, you power? I, I, how long? <laughs> I sell both solar and wind, and I recommend both. And I sell batteries and install all of that. Yeah. And by the way, anybody out there listening, I do DIY kits. So if you get a hold of me, I'll custom design a kit and I got YouTube videos you can watch to see how to put it in. And I'll be there whenever you got a call and get a little technical advice. So you can do it yourself and do it for maybe two thirds of the original cost or cost of what it would be, which is huge because then it's affordable because there's actually a 26% federal tax credit for it now. Now, us libertarians hate taxes, right? That's theft, isn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> here's how to steal a little bit of it back from the federal government you install something like this geothermal and a few other things that have that tax credit and you can actually get some of that money back it's not a deduction it's a straight credit so so it's cool that way so so anyways a typical house would have somewhere from 8 to 12 kilowatts of solar if you had a big house maybe up to 20 kilowatts of solar I've got one I put 22 on, but he's a new modern house with all the Fandango stuff. Yeah. So if I was recommend to someone in your area, because you guys really have good wind out there, I know that yeah. for sure. I, you know, I don't know if it's a governor, but, but I know you guys <laughs> got good wind, right? <laughs> so, so anyways, what I would do is I would maybe get a three kilowatt wind turbine. And then I'd probably get, depending on the house size, anywhere from six to eight kilowatts of solar. And then between the two, you'd have enough to power the house and you're redundant where I don't know how the clouds get there. But here in Minnesota in November, we don't get to see the sun. So that's not very good for a solar system. And yeah. that's why it's great. to. And, that, you know, that's where I sell a lot of my wind turbines in the backwoods areas, up in the mountains and back in you know, high Rockies of Montana. 
where you can't see an electrical pole no matter how far you look. They can't afford to get electricity. They put solar up, but in the winter, the sun's too low, but they have wind. So what do they want? And I had one client who put up three different propeller-style turbines that all crashed, cost him money. He's had mine up now for four years without a problem. Nice. Um, what are the battery? Uh, you know, my, I know that was one of the limitations to uh, that whole technology before was the being able to store the energy. You know, what what are the batteries looking like nowadays? Uh, can you get a couple days worth stored? Oh, for, he, for when you he, got the cloudy days and those, you know, you no know, it, it all depends how much money you got. Yeah. <laughs> to, to be honest, I mean, that, that's what it boils down to. If you got enough money, by the way, if you put solar in and batteries in, the batteries qualify for the tax credit, too. If you got upgrade your electric panel, that that qualifies for the tax credit. So there's a lot of ways to take advantage of this to help yourself out kind of thing. So so anyways, the batteries can range. You know, I, I can do you all know what AGM batteries are? I don't. Okay. No. You've got the regular lead-acid batteries. That's what we all have yeah. in our cars, right? Mm -hmm. Well, the next generation was called gel cells, where instead of just lead-acid, they had a gel in there. And why that was good is because that, that kept the chemicals up and entrained in the fluid and all that so that it operated better. They, they wouldn't precipitate out and die earlier, so they lasted longer. Well, that, that lasted for a while, but now they came along with AGMs. Okay, absorbed glass mat. And what they do is they take a fiberglass mat, lead plate, lead plate, mat, plate, mat, plate, and they get something this big and they squish it together and they got a battery. You know, they hook it, hook it all up and they got a battery. And the theory is having all these mats with these chemicals entrained, it's going to last a lot longer, be able to go deeper in the charge and more cycles. And it's kind of the next generation. So whenever I buy batteries now, I typically get AGMs. If they get discharged, they tend to recover a lot better. They get more, they pretty much got twice the light. So that is the low level entry point of batteries. If you want to do something like I have in my house and you've got a sump pump, maybe you want to run your fridge in the power outage and a few lights and, or the fireplace in the winter, whatever, you could probably get by with six to eight batteries. Okay. Car, car size batteries are going to cost you a couple hundred bucks a piece. Yeah. And, and, and maybe more depending. And, but then you're going to have to get yourself some solar and a, a charge controller and inverter to go with it. Now, if you're thinking about, you know what, I'm building a new house or I, I really want to be prepared, then I, I'm getting certified right now with Generac and they've got complete systems. They've bought out some companies. So they've got everything but the solar panels, pretty much. They've got the inverters. They've got the batteries and all that. And they've got the biggest storage system there is right now. So we can get you going on those, but that's going to take a solar system from around twenty-two to around thirty-five thousand dollars. Okay, so it's a big jump in price in order to get that in. And there's other battery companies out there like Sunnin that are really, really good. I, I I would suggest people stay away from Tesla for a few reasons. You know, they're expensive enough, but they're like a secret society that if, if you aren't specially trained or whatever by them, they won't even talk to you and you can't get trained unless you're special. And so, you know what? <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. I look at them, too, and Tesla's never made money. Why would you buy something from a company that's never made money? Yeah. I mean, are they going to be around for the warranty? Heck no. <laughs> Heck no. So he, he, he's going to be either up on the moon or on Mars when you're trying to get your warranty collected. <laughs> he's going to be riding his space Chevy out, out to Mars. 
Uh, so how much do wind turbines cost for like your home? Well, if you want a 300 watt turbine with the charge controller, it's 2850 shipped. Now I can get it for you a little cheaper than that, but that's wherever you are. And if, if you look on like Amazon or eBay, you can get turbines a lot cheaper. I'm really going to caution you. I've bought a couple of the cheaper ones and they are cheaper. You're going to end up buying four or five of those, maybe even more in the life of this turbine. Okay, this turbine, mm -hmm. th this company's been around since the early 2000s, I think 2004. And all I've ever seen them do is continue to improve the turbine technology wise. When I first got my sample kit, the turbines were like this big. Next generation, they were this big and still putting out the same power. What does that tell you? It tells you they're revamping, remodeling and trying to make it as efficient as they can. So, so it's impressive that way. But anyways, so 2850 for the small one. Uh, the 7,000 retails for 6,500, but I know I can get it for you cheaper now. If you live by an ocean port, if you don't live by an ocean port, I got some bad news for you these days because the <laughs> rail transport's so expensive. It's hard to do, you know, with all this COVID stuff going on, it's just thrown so mm -hmm. many different things out of whack. I, I had a guy in New Zealand said, yeah, I want a 700. How much is that going to cost? My supplier sent me the price, and then he sent me the shipping on, uh, on on DHL. The shipping was more than the turbine. I just went back. I said, I can't tell him that. What do you think? I'm nuts. I said, how much is it on the slow boat? Okay, how much on the slow boat? To get there? So if you get it shipped on a boat and you can get to a port, I can get it to you actually probably cheaper than pre-pandemic days. Nice. So I got a question um because you were just talking about innovation with turbines and stuff um you know and i don't claim to know a whole lot about the subject but you know what do you think about like the big uh wind farm wind turbines that you see all over especially in south uh southwest minnesota iowa south dakota and has the technology really advanced because it seems like we're, we're just stuck and we're putting up the same thing that we were 20 years ago. You know, what are your opinions on that? You know more about that. That's a great question. You know, I was in the Navy back in the mid eighties. And when I was there, I was stationed in Alameda, which is right in the Oakland sound there. And I'd go over the hill and my cousin lived in Livermore. So I go out there and stay with him and I rented an apartment out there, you know, to get away a little bit, but just West of Livermore, they had wind turbines everywhere. And this is in the mid-80s. And a lot of them were the vertical axis like this that spun like that. And they were huge two-bladers. And there were still some of the regular uh, propeller style. So this technology has been around a long time. Okay? Mm -hmm. A lot longer than you, well, you know, the Dutch had windmills. Okay? Yeah. You, you know, it's that simple. So it's been a matter of, like anything else, improving the technology to make it better. And I truly think that the big turbines, they can't succeed without continuing to improve their technology. You know, they've got to be able to make smaller turbines that make more energy or they'll never be able to compete, especially at some point with all this inflation and potential hyperinflation coming and the huge tax burden that's going to be thrust on everybody in the near future. You think mm -hmm. the government's going to be giving out any credits? That's yeah. why I say now is the time. 
you know now the time for turbines or solar the price of solar is going up i made a video about that if you go to my channel the youtube guy or turbine guy everybody i got a turbine guy channel go out there and sub me I, i'm starting to get somewhere it's really cool yeah, but but anyways i got a video on there i made about two weeks ago as to why the price of solar is going up and it's coming true my supplier told me three days ago he said you know what Really glad you made that video because I don't have to explain to you why the price is going to go up. <laughs> you know, I said, you show it to your other guys so they understand. It's a multitude of things, including shipping, uh, the cost of raw materials, the cost of silicon on top of it. Yeah. U.S. government intervention at the ports claiming that some of the stuff's made with Uyghur slave labor. So it's all got to be documented and proven not to be at the port. So a lot of, a lot of it's going to get delayed or refused. So, so th th there's a lot of things going on. Fortunately, the wind turbines aren't going to go up. They're from Taiwan. They're one of our good, they're one of our allies, aren't they? I mean, aren't the Taiwanese a Chinese capitalist? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what they are. You know, they're the Chinese nationalists. And the communists tried to beat them back, you know, right after World War II. And the, and the nationalists went to Taiwan and, and the, the communists couldn't win. That's why there's Taiwan now. So you've got the these people who just love America. And, you know, I talked to these people, and they were afraid of this election. They really were afraid of, of what was going to happen, and what they were afraid of came true. That Biden would win? <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. You know, they, they understand. They could see from there the difference, you know, I'm not going to say Trump's any great guy, but they could see the difference in the two from there and what it meant to their country. Absolutely, they could. They, they, they are no dummies. I'm going to tell you that because I've worked with these guys on, on getting the turbine certified UL style so they're safe and getting the SWCC certification, Small Wind Certification Council. We are the only wind turbine, vertical axis, spins like that, that has ever been certified in the United States. Wow. So yeah, that's interesting because I actually seen uh, a wind or, you know, a turbine that kind of operated and it rotated like this, you know, but in a circle instead yep. of like a propeller blade, you know, yep. and I always, and they were talking about how much more efficient that one was because it, it'll catch it from all angles. And uh, well, they'll say that, but it's not true. No, okay. no. Mechanically wise, the horizontal types are technically more efficient, but they have a lot more problems is the issue. Even though they may be a little more efficient and our turbines are really catching up to them fast. I mean, we're over 30 percent efficient, I think 33 percent or something now. So and that's really good in the wind industry because what an efficiency means, just in case anyone doesn't know, is the amount of energy you can capture out of the wind going by it. It's it's, it's an energy calculation. So mm -hmm. so it's getting really good. It's getting to match your propellers, but the propellers have so many side loads. They've got so many other issues. A, a lot of noise, a lot of vibration, a lot of other things. I I, I put a wind turbine or a client in on the top of his cell tower in California. And he'd had three three other propellers up there himself that all fell apart and cost him money. Mine was up there for a year and a half. And the second winter season, he said the winds were 80 miles an hour and he never had an issue. And it was running so well, he's able to remove the backup gas generator off the off-grid system. Oh, nice. Yeah, super nice. Super nice. So I've got that testimonial if anyone wants to see it. 
Um, so you were a city council member now in the town that you have the ongoing beef with? Yeah, when I moved out here, I raised a little bit of a ruckus over something that made sense right away. So they appointed me to the planning commission to shut me up. You know, you know, you make a little noise and they do something. I got on there and I was on there for a couple of years and I put my two bucks in to run for the city council and I ended up whooping ass. And nice. the, current, the current mayor at the time got got a coalition against me. And one of his guys came in second, but they were like five, six hundred votes behind me. I had twenty one hundred to their like fifteen hundred. So That's how many people big. live in the, your home, your town? Uh, over seven thousand, and we, we've got over three thousand houses. And what I did, if anybody out there wants to go get elected in a small community, I have the formula. I really right. do. Okay, you be respectful, and when you get out, no matter who you're talking to, if they ask you your like bent or who you are your political leanings you say i'm a conservative I, you know I, I don't like to say but i'm a conservative libertarian you know what that means don't tax me too much and just leave me alone people eat that up so th those are two things and the last thing you got to do is the hardest knock on two-thirds of the doors in your community you've got to go meet people shake hands talk to people and give them a chance to answer questions you do that and you'll win Nice, that's, yeah, that's good advice. That's a pretty Wanda big South district. Dakota is small town, so yeah, those are good tips. Yeah, for small, yeah, South Dakota is full of. There's one town we drove through that I think in Wyoming that had like six people, and I looked at my son and said, "Well, if all four of us move in, we can take over <laughs> the town, right?" So the yeah, town that's why I, I say uh, South Dakota would be a way better free state project because I would say that if it was South Dakota, it would have already taken over the entire state because we're that small. Oh, yeah. Oh, easy, easy. Well, not only that, you guys are open-minded and conservative. You know, instead, of, the problem with mi communist Minnesota, which is what it's, I mean, it was bad before. It used to be socialist. They've turned communist now. But the problem with it is we've got these city centers where all, all, all this thought festers, and these people don't visit the rural area, the farms. These people haven't been around the world. You know, when I was in the Navy, I went to Italy, France, Germany, Singapore, Australia, Pakistan, uh, Philippines, and Hawaii. Now, don't ever go to Pakistan. It's a toilet. I'm going to tell you that <laughs> up front. But all the, other, all the others were passable, you know, or, or, or fun to be at. And you really kind of learn about the world when you go around and see how people live. And what I loved to do was I loved to go talk to the people in the community. I didn't want to just go to the bars and hang out, you know. I, I wanted to go out and talk to people who lived there was one time in the Philippines. Okay. I, I'm hanging out with this girl and her, and her family. And it's a regular like rambler house from the Midwest. And they got five families living in it. It's all partitioned off and the toilets outside and, and the faucets on the house, 15 feet away for the toilet, but no one could figure to put a hose in. Right. So there's, <laughs> they got a bucket there and it's outside and open. So, you know, they, they got a different life over there. But I, at one point, we're, we're playing. I taught them how to play quarters. We're playing pesos and having a good time. Mm -hmm. I think a case of beer is a buck and a quarter at that point or something. And the thing about Filipino beer is you never knew if it was going to be two or 12 beers to get you drunk. They had no quality <laughs> control. So, so anyways, I said, I'm hungry. Say, so I can go up and get you a barbecue. So I gave him some money, went up and came back, and I'm eating this barbecue on the stick. I'm going, wow, this is really good. I said, but it sure is tough. And he looks at me and says, yeah, monkey always is. 
<laughs> I'm like, really? He said, yeah. I said, well, here, you can finish this. I, I'm okay for tonight. So, but you see, you learn things like that, right? Walking down the streets in the Philippines in Alangapo, they were selling puppies on the street for food. Okay. They weren't selling them to be pets. The world is not the United States, and it's sure not downtown Minneapolis, St. Cloud, Duluth, or <laughs> Rochester, okay? And that's the problem is these people down there just don't understand that. They just they haven't gotten out enough. Mm -hmm. I don't know how else to put it. <laughs> um, what were you saying before he interrupted you, Greg? Oh, no, just uh, you're, I was, he was talking about taking over towns with city councils and stuff. Oh, and yeah. I was just yep. going to remark that I only live in a town that has 300 people and uh, they have a town board. I've thought about running for it myself. Just Why because, haven't uh, you? I, well, they are. Uh, an excuse. Yeah, they <laughs> Yeah, they Before do, you uh, even say it, that's an excuse. <laughs> I put my two cents in. Not only that, I ran for Senate in Minnesota Senate in my district as a libertarian, and I went out and got 500 signatures so I could get on the ballot. Yeah. So, so I got a right to sit here and say that's an excuse. You got, you just got to do it. You well, gotta, I've, okay, to be fair, I've ran for state house and I've ran for state Senate. Okay, there you go. There you go. I just, I just, I was, the town board's kind of weird because there's uh, three elected positions but they alternate who's going up for election every year. So it's like a three-year term, but it's only one person running. Uh, sure. You know, but, you know, I want anyway. one to beat. Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't be bad. It'd be a good start. Um, you know, speaking of libertarian, um, you know, do you consider yourself an environmentalist? Because I think libertarians probably get beat up about, you know, we don't care about the environment and, for the most part, a lot of libertarians, they don't have a plan uh, or very many answers when it comes to the environment. No, uh, no politicians do. They sit up there and they spew these phrases, and what happens to me happens to me, and no one comes to the rescue. But you know what? You brought that up, and, and my son's been bugging me to announce something, so I'm going to do it here on your podcast. How many people we got watching? How many people we got watching? I don't know. Four lucky people right now. Four. There you go. <laughs> See this, okay? We're going to announce something. You know, you got the red pill and the white pill and all these pills, right? Yeah. I'm. I want to announce right here and now the green pill. Oh, and the green like pill it. is a practical view of not just the environment, but renewable energy and everything as a whole. It's not just one part of it. It's not just solar. It's not just wind. It's not just this or that. It's everything. And because I've, I've been a long-standing critic of people who complain about carbon dioxide over things like methane, over things like mercury, over all these other toxic pollutants we spread around the globe evenly. Okay. So it, to me, it's a practical approach. It's a combination of, of sustainability, of green energy, of conservation, and everything that makes practical sense, okay? Let's not shove things down people's throats. We don't need to buy a Solyndra for $500 million to accomplish this. What we have to do is give you, Devin, and you, Greg, the opportunity to install what works for you, okay? Some places are going to be great for geothermal. There's some places that are going to be great for microhydro. Plenty great for solar, plenty great for wind, and there's more technologies coming. 
you know, in Denmark now, they've got sidewalks you walk on that make electricity. As people walk by, well, the walking makes the electricity. So there are so many unique ideas out there. The green pill is all about encompassing everything that works in a practical manner without shoving it down people's throats, making them feel a bad taste in their mouth and be like they're being told, you got to do this or else. You got to show yeah. that it makes sense to do it. So mm -hmm. what do you think? I like, I like the concept it. green pill. I like it. I think that's really catchy. It's yeah. the libertarian answer to the big green new deal. <laughs> yeah. Well, ab absolutely it is. You know, and part of the green pill's got to be nuclear power. Yeah. It just has to be. Nuclear power is so much better than it ever used to be. And I was a nuclear power machinist mate in the Navy. Okay. okay. I kind of got an idea about nuclear power and how it works. And I followed it through the years. And, and you know, I thought I was actually in Europe when Chernobyl went. Okay. Ooh. So we had some of the cloud come over us from Chernobyl. So where so, were you, you know, in Europe when the, that went down? Like, that was 86. Okay. I think it was 86. Yeah. And then like, so, what country were you in? Were you um, in like, I was uh, in Italy and I flew up to Germany. Okay. And then after that, we went to France. So, yeah, it, Germany That's was actually, I, no, I'm wrong. I flew up to West Germany. It wasn't Germany. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 So I'm dating myself a little bit here. That's why I got the hat <laughs> on. I didn't even think about that because I was actually, I'm an army brat. So my parents were in the army and I was actually born in Frankfurt, Germany. Oh, okay. But I've so never, but I've never thought of that, that it was actually West Germany. And yep. not actually just Germany. Yeah. Yeah, I never thought about that. That's kind of crazy. Yeah, it, it is. You, you know, and the difference I found is really interesting. When I was in Italy, it really kind of was a dirty country. And if you had three lanes on the road, there were five lanes of drivers. And it, it was just crazy <laughs> everywhere. But you know what? We hopped a train from Naples and went up to Rome and got a hotel. None of us spoke any Italian and went out, and I mean, I walked through the Vatican and walked through all kinds of places. It was super cool, you know. But then when we flew flew up to Germany, when I flew up Germany by myself, it was prim and proper and clean everywhere. It was spotless. The cab stand had all Mercedes. That <laughs> was all wow. the cabs were Mercedes, you know. <laughs> It, it, it was crazy that the difference in the two countries that were side by and, and France was like that too. France was complete. And that's why I, did. I got on a train and went to uh, Toulon and on the French Riviera just to hang out for a day. And it was super mm -hmm. cool. That, that, that was clean. But you know what I noticed about France when I was there, the old people loved us military. The young people hated us. Yeah. Yep. In the mid eighties, they had that attitude at that point. Hmm. Yeah. The old people remembered. You know, the U.S. military saved our ass twice. Mm -hmm. You know, the young people don't care. <laughs> You're a foreigner. Kaylor yeah. Nygaard says, finally, the green pill is cemented in history. The libertarian yeah, I, answer to the new green deal. Yep. I, I knew he'd like that. I, but I've been waiting <laughs> for the right opportunity to announce it somewhere. And I figured that this is a perfect place to do it. Oh, yeah. It's definitely the best place. Yeah, South yeah. Dakota should be like the green state. Like we've got all the wind. We've got sunshine. We're like the sunshine state. I guess Florida stole that tagline from us, but whatever. We've got well, just we, as much sun. 
you know, it's a, it's a misnomer or misbelief that because you're up north, you don't have as good a solar. Okay, the mm -hmm. hours are fewer in the winter, but with the snow and all of that, bouncing it around and the modules getting cold, people don't understand this. All modules are tested to, at 72 degrees. The hotter they get, the worse they work, which means when they're on a roof in Florida at 140 degrees, that's not good. There's only so <laughs> many modules that work well in that condition. But up here, when it's 20 below zero, they could be putting out 120% of their capacity, 120%. So between the snow, the extra light bouncing around and, and the cold weather, even though the day's shorter, they still produce as good as a hot day down in other places. Mm -hmm. Interesting, huh? Yeah, let's get some solar energy in South Dakota. Solar and wind. You know, it yeah, depends on where you are and how, and how it works. In the bat, you know, isn't the end of the world supposed to be coming? I I keep hearing yeah. that. Time for your battery yeah. bank. Why would you want a generator that you have to go forage and fight for gas mm -hmm. over? Why not put in a battery bank that's going to last mm -hmm. ten years or more? That, yeah, that yeah, you, do, you, do you get a lot of preppers ordering your wind turbines and stuff <laughs> for their like their shelters? I don't because unfortunately preppers don't have a lot of money. Mm, yeah, you know, that's part of it. They're busy doing their deal. And yeah. I think they think it might be a little obtrusive being up there. But the biggest question I get from prep preppers is, well, can you paint it black? <laughs> <laughs> you can paint it whatever color you want to. It's still going to work just fine. Um, so what's the installation like uh, for a wind turbine? Is it simple? Do you need to get help to do it? If you're not a handyman or it depends on how big a turbine you're putting in. If mm -hmm. you're putting a 300 watt in, we order you a pole with the flange on the top. You dig a three and a half, well, maybe four foot hole where you guys are. That's, you know, maybe a good two feet, two and a half feet diameter is all you really need. Throw a little rebar down in there, put the turbine mm -hmm. on the pole, grab it and stick it in. I actually made a video doing that down in Arizona with Adam Kokish. So really nice. I yeah, I brought a turbine down there and we put it in. And go to my YouTube channel, Turbine Guy, and, and, and you can see that video where we put it in. And that's what I did so people can see. So the 300 that you're going to put up to charge your 24-volt battery bank, because you always want as high as you can, that, that you're going to put in for that is simple as heck. It's fairly cheap. You're going to be done by about, well, with the batteries, probably $4,000, and you can get 26% of that back. So you're going to be three grand into it. And you're going to have a small battery bank system off grid and the, the uh, charge controller for this turbine you can hook one solar panel up to so mm -hmm. we add that in the system too and, and then you can charge a little things like the sump pump or, or, or run some of that stuff when the power goes out okay but now nice. if you're going to talk about putting the 700 in all of a sudden you're talking a three foot diameter hole deep enough that's still easy enough because the thing's only it's like 220 pounds or something like that so you know four or five guys could put it in Kind of thing. When we put the one in at Adam, Adam it was kind of like the Iwo Jima flag raising. It was definitely fun. But if you're going to get to the 1500 or 3000, you're going to have to have a crane. You, you got to dig a, you know, for mine, it was a 1500. I had a four by four by four footing. I had to get an anchor bolt assembly, fill it all in, and then get the turbine on it. So, so what's the one that's still left on your property? That's a 300. It's charging my 24-volt battery bank. I got it on my nice. house, but it's too low. 
it's just above the roof line and it's in a turbulent area. So next time I make some poles for a 300, I'm going to get a three foot extension with a flange on each end and get it just a little bit higher. I'll see. Kayla Nygar says, can store energy using the elevation by pumping water up the mountain from green energy and use hydro turbines to recapture it when needed. Yes, that's a system I've I've considered designing is you basically get a tank or in Florida where it rains so damn much, you can get six inches at a house. And if it's all running off the roof, run it into a tank and have a little micro hydro on the bottom. Even if things just 100 watts, 200 watts, it's going to sit there and spin and, and feed your house. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or charge your battery. Bank. Yeah. I've heard about them putting those in uh, like the sewer lines or something, something that's the water going through it will spin it um i don't and know if you know anything that, about that, that that will work in some places mm -hmm. other places it won't if you're using energy to pump the water through the sewer system you're kind of screwed but if you're in a hilly yeah. area like the mountains you just have to pump it up to a point and it's going to fall down so far anyways then it would yeah. work so it, it's a it's a matter of location but hey what did i just say about the green pill just brought up a great example of the green pill. Where do you put these sewer system energy recapture devices? You put them in the places that work. Mm -hmm. That's what the green pill practicality. Is about. But yes. a beer, but a bureaucrat's gonna one size fits all, and they're just gonna mandate them everywhere. <laughs> oh, oh, and I got a great example of that. This is how government runs amok. I had a client in Burnsville, Minnesota, who wanted to put solar on his roof, and he's got a hip roof. And the city of Burnsville had an ordinance saying you can, but if you have a hip roof as opposed to a roof that's not hip, then you have to put triangular modules on it so it follows the roof line of the roof. So it looks mm -hmm. nice, right? Mm -hmm. Well, the problem with that theory is that one of them looked in a magazine and saw a picture that looked cute without the knowledge that there are no triangular modules on the market. So now you've made an ordinance which precludes a large percentage of your population from installing a solar system without going through a variance, and then they're going to deny you anyways like this guy went through uh, unless mm -hmm. he played. He ended up putting triangular cardboard or plywood pieces up there to look like. I mean, it's just so <laughs> stupid. It's yeah. a perfect class. I got to do a video on this. I really got to go stand outside the guy's house in the Burnsville City Hall and talk about this is the problem with local government. Someone sees a picture, they say that's a good idea, and they have zero idea that they can only make a rule if it has to do with the health, safety, or welfare of the community. Mm -hmm. What do triangular modules or the color of a house have to do with any of that? Yeah. Right. So um, that's just so me. That, that's just me, guys. <laughs> Um, so what's your opinion on this new infrastructure bill that they're talk that they're talking about passing that supposedly has a bunch of green energy programs in it? I can almost guarantee you I won't see a penny. Okay. Yeah. And I'm the guy with the relationship with a Taiwanese company that could open a micro wind manufacturing place in Minnesota and I could have probably eight years ago. Mm -hmm. But I can't get anybody. I went down to the state government in Minnesota and said, Here, here's how you accomplish your goals. Okay, you want to go green? And, you know, they had a meeting with me, and then I haven't heard back from them. And, and it, it's going to be another Solyndra debacle. What else is it? It's the government. 
I mean, the government mm-hmm. doesn't know. Like you said, one size fits all. That's mm-hmm. not that's not America. America is about what? Individuality, individualism, the differences, differences in us, the differences in our properties, the differences in the states we live in. That's the great thing about America. They're trying to take that away from us. That's what I think. And that's what I think is going to happen with this bill. Yeah, I think it's going to drive up inflation like skyrocket and all these Democrat buddies are going to get pocket all that money, basically. And we'll, oh, be yeah. back, we'll be back trying to make another infrastructure bill in like four more years because this one didn't work out. Well, nothing yeah. ever works out. Did cash for clunkers work out? No. Right. I laughed at that. You know, my mechanical engineer, engineering degree from the, from the University of Minnesota is oriented towards power and propulsion. As soon as they mm-hmm. announced that thing, I just shook my head. So why are they giving away two million dollars for no, two billion for nothing? It's mm-hmm. as ridiculous as it gets. The way that you increase fuel economies and vehicles and incentivize the corporations to do so. How do you do that financially? Not give them money, but if they can attain certain goals, they can get certain credits. Okay, it's mm-hmm. up to them. That kind of thing. It's the same with vehicles. You know. I love explaining this to people because most people don't understand. I had a 1973 Monte Carlo. I had a Chevy 350 in it with a quadrajet four barrel. That thing was a great car. I had a blast in that thing. Got eight miles to the gallon. Mm-hmm. Just what it got, right? No, you know, pretty mm-hmm. much no matter how I drive, it could get worse. Okay, on occasion. But <laughs> I got a 1996 Chevy pickup truck. Okay, 23 years newer. It's got the same Chevy 350, 260 horsepower engine in it. The difference is, even though the truck's, I don't know if it's even heavier, eh, probably a little heavier than the Monte Carlo. But the big difference is it's got fuel injection and and computer control. That truck is 15 miles to the gallon, twice the mileage the Monte Carlo did. And I'm hauling cargo around with it, right? It's a truck. Okay. That didn't happen because a government regulated someone into doing it. That happened because technology improved. And, and the companies could see that people were looking for better, more fuel-efficient vehicles. So it was up to them to provide it. They're in competition with Cry- or Dodge and, and Ford on their trucks. Look, our truck gets such good mileage and has this power. And that's what the other companies want to do. So th- that's the issue. Now, this Chevy 350... That's getting 15 miles of the gallon. We did a calculation in my in my senior level mechanical engineering class. Mm-hmm. Internal combustion engines, too. I took both. It's the only class I never skipped. I mean, that thing was great. <laughs> Same with the lab. The lab was wonderful. So, anyways, I'm sitting there, uh, and we're looking at this, and we did the calculation. And it turns out that a Chevy 350 can get maximum of a little over 35 miles to the gallon, given the average fuel value available. Okay, octane doesn't change that. It's the value of energy in the fuel. So if you can get only 35 miles to the gallon, how could government regulate something to be any more? You know what I mean? And so you back it off and you end up with losses, and that's how you get to the 15 miles of the gallon. And I've long been telling people, because of government regulations and the government pushing all these fleets, and, you know, you've got companies like Ford and GM all making certain cars to make their fleet mileage look higher and all that. Mm-hmm. Okay, because of all these government regulations, we're all going to be driving different size, different sized and shaped and colored eggs. 
with different emb emblems on them at some point because <laughs> the egg's mm -hmm. the most fuel efficient hydro you know hydro dynamic v uh, vehicle form we have so we're all going to end up like that way just watch and see it's getting how that many way. years how many years do you think it's going to be till we're all driving egg-shaped cars <laughs> take a look at my 73 monte carlo to my 96 pickup to my 2007 pickup and you can see that okay. and look at these modern okay. suvs now they're all yeah. small all the suvs sport utilities yeah. i mean well years ago um it, it they're the size of a suzuki samurai you know, those things are sporty little things, and that now that's considered an SUV. So they are all getting that way. Now, you can still see the Explorer and the Suburban are still fairly big vehicles, but you can look at them and see the egg shape coming along. You'll see it. Now that I've said this to you, you'll look around and you'll see it everywhere. <laughs> yeah. it's, like, it's like taking the sunglasses off on that, that They Live movie. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I, I love that movie. That thing's great. Yeah. That's why I'm wearing them. I don't want to see nothing. <laughs> I want to be blinded from all the subliminal stuff around me that's coming off the computer and the TV and everything. So uh, what do you think about, uh, like, climate change? And, like, you kind of touched on it with uh, advancement and technology. That's kind of my opinion on it is that the government isn't going to solve anything because they never do. So just throwing billions of dollars at this big problem isn't going to do much. And, you know, I, I think uh, technology advancements is obviously, you know, going to be the answer. It's but not government. But what do you think about global warming? Yeah, I'm going to get there in a second. First thing I want to say is the government only creates one thing. That's grief. All the government creates. The government doesn't create a damn thing people create things okay government inhibits people from creating things that's the problem especially in this day and age i just wanted to say that first okay so you're asking me about global warming and all of this now i want to give you another quick story about uh when i was in college and my instructor in the mechanical engineering stuff the internal combustion engines he gave a speech the Society of Automotive Engineers. And we all know what smog stations are, right? Where you bring your old car in to check and see if it's like polluting or whatever. They still have them in some parts of the country. Well, yeah, in California, you have to do it still. Yeah, and, you know. and out on the East Coast, you do. Minnesota used to, we don't. Well, he proved that smog stations are a complete waste of money. You're better off, huge better off, investing your money in technology improving the technology especially in a state like minnesota where we put salt all over the roads and we have so many accidents that we have a high vehicle turnover rate why chase the people who can't afford it mm. the people who are just trying to get by and make their lives miserable over a little bit of crap and here's my pontificating when you know what we could get rid of the blue angels and account for all that pollution why, why, why do we have something like the Blue Angels? They have to practice all the time. Their jets just consume thousands of pounds of fuel. They have no pollution restrictions at all. But this poor person who's making minimum wage is getting harassed because the only thing they could afford doesn't quite meet up to standards. Okay, yeah. So, so I, I kind of wanted to get onto that. 
But as far as global warming goes, you know, the globe is warming and it has been ever since the last ice age. And that's how the world works. The world goes in cycles and, and there's certain things people can do, but the, the world, the, the earth is, has kind of like its own immune system, just like people have an immune system. And when something comes in, you find a way to overcome it and get going, right? Well, the earth does too. The earth finds a way to overcome things like carbon dioxide by doing what? <laughs> Growing more stuff. Okay, depositing more carbon, finding more places to put it. And, and so I, I think we really do a disservice to the earth thinking that it has absolutely no control over itself. It, it's been a self-controlled system long before we were here. And years and years ago, where we both are right now was a lot more temperate and humid and tropical. Okay, there were dinosaurs around here. But then years ago, what else? There was an ice age, right? So it comes and goes. Now, I remember when I was a kid in 1976, I think, reading the New York Times, maybe it was 78, talking about the next ice age coming. Well, how can I read that in the New York Times and within 20, 30 years, now now the world's going to end because we're going to get too hot, okay? People aren't sitting back and looking at facts and what's really going on. I want to get back to one of my main, main comments I love is, I really hate the fact that we don't focus on the toxic pollutants we're evenly spreading around the globe. That's the first thing we, we should be doing. Yes, carbon dioxide can get higher. And my daughter pointed out to me, she's absolutely right, that the, the uh, carbon dioxide levels in the ocean has gone up and that's acidified the ocean some. So that that is a bad effect. But I'm a, I'm a big believer that we need to be worried about methane, okay, which is much worse. Nitric oxides, a lot of other things we're spewing out that, that we need to control. We should not be burning natural gas off, off of oil places. We should be capturing. We, that's where we should be spending the money. We should be capturing the natural gas, liquefying it, and using that mm -hmm. for fuel, okay? There are things we can, back to the green pill, there are things we can do even where we are now to refocus onto things like methane to me that are much more important than, than other things. Now, when I was on Adam versus a man recently, they, they, their article of the day was talking about dementia and how dementia has gone down decade by decade in this country. And I said, well, they missed the second half of that title because it should say decades gone or dementia has gone down decade by decade. But unfortunately, the, the people afflicted with it tend to gravitate towards political leadership positions, <laughs> right? You know, because it seems that's what's going on. Okay? But I pointed out to him because they asked why. I said, well, we, could, we quit putting lead in our gas a while ago. And then we were using MTBE, which isn't the best either. And now, now we're using ethanol, which is better. And, you know, we don't even need ethanol anymore, really. Because of fuel injection and computer technology, we can burn. The ethanol was put in the fuel specifically to provide extra oxygen so you'd have complete combustion. That's the reason. Mm -hmm. That's why MTB was put in. The lead was put in to raise the octane level because years ago, the, uh, the compression ratios used to be a lot higher in engines because they didn't have our technology. We can get a lot more power out of low compression engines, which means we can use a lesser quality fuel these days. So it's not that big a deal. But... 
the ethanol, like I said, replaced the other stuff that was spewing stuff everywhere and to me was causing it. Not only that, you know, we've got clean coal plants now. We've got a lot of natural gas plants. We aren't putting so much sulfur in the air. When, when I was a kid, we, we had acid rain all over the place. That doesn't happen in the United States anymore. It happens in China. Okay. They don't tell you about it, but I can tell you it's happening just by looking at their pollution reports. Where the hell else is this crap going to go? Right. Mm-hmm. It's not just going to magically disappear over the ocean. No, it's, it's going to end up dropping. And so the, I'm sure they've got acid rain in China now, something the U S conquered a few years ago, you know, and, and to me, if we really want to help the world with that kind of stuff, we, we've got a garbage burning plant right here in Minneapolis. That's super high tech takes just about any pollutant out of the garbage burning process. Why aren't we exporting that to third world countries where they need electricity and they have a garbage issue? Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. another green pill solution right there. Let, let's do the right. If we're going to be giving them these billions of dollars, let's just take a few million back and build mm-hmm. these garbage incinerators that make electricity. <clears throat> What's that going to do mm-hmm. for your people? You know, yeah, so, well, you, you kind of touched on it before um, with the government making uh, the solution, you know, taking uh, a lot of these mandates, they harm the poor and stuff like that. And I've actually seen. The first few years we, when we bought this house, uh, the first few years I kind of quit doing it. I got lazy, but uh, first few years we lived here, I kind of ran. I would run. Uh, we burn wood during the winter, you know. And uh, I've actually seen some places that are starting to put uh, bans, you know, trying to ban essentially uh, burning wood. But it's like you know that. Those sort of things really hurt uh, the poorest among us because yeah. a lot of the people that are burning wood, you know, can't afford a $300 heating bill during the winter or something like that, you know. And a lot yeah. of the mandates that you see, you know, these global accords, you know, I'm not against, I don't consider myself necessarily an environmentalist activist like you, you know, um, but I'm definitely not against uh, protecting or or anything the environment but a lot of these big global summits that are trying to tackle climate change you know they're doing that and they're really affected they're trying to they're really uh, affecting hindering like third world countries you know i mean you know we're trying to get rid of coal but it's like okay but if 70 percent of the world is still burning coal and that's their only cheap solution like you can't just get rid of that. Like that has a massive impact, you know, on people's daily lives. Yeah, no, no, I, I completely agree with you. You know, let's start out with the burning wood thing. So, what's the lifespan of your wood burning, or your hydronic furnace, or, or your? I mean, you just burn it in a fireplace, or what? I had a fireplace, and then I had an insert that would blow, you know, with a blower on it. So, so <clears throat> what's the lifespan of that? I have no idea. 20 years, maybe? Yeah, it's. it looks like it's probably at least that old, I bet. Okay, so let's say you got it at 20 years. What happens after 20 years if you want to keep burning wood? You, you have to buy a new wood? insert. Yeah. And is that insert most likely going to be more efficient than the one from 20 years ago? Yeah. Then why would you regulate it? Do, yeah. do you see what I'm saying? It's the improvement in technology that's going to save us. 
It's 100% the improvement in technology. Don't harass people because they're trying to get by and they have what they have. Help incentivize improvements in technology and, and efficiency. You know, the only reason our electric grid can handle the number of people in this country like they did when I was a kid is what? Is, is why? Why? Is it fancier than their technology? Improvement in efficiencies. I'm looking at mm -hmm. a TV right here that's burning maybe 85 watts an hour. When I was a kid, five to 600 watts. Oh, but so the TVs got, were 10 times larger. <laughs> yeah, well, but, but no, the same size TV would be doing that because, you know, I, believe it or not, I grew up with black and white TV and I was happy to have it. And then a lot of the TVs had tubes. So they had to heat up and do this and that. Oh, yeah. and it, took, it took a lot of energy to, to use them. Nowadays, they're using 10 to 20% of the energy they did when I was a kid. What does that mean for the number of TVs around the country? You can have 80 to 90% more and it's still going to be mm -hmm. the same energy. So the only reason our energy grid is still standing and can withstand what's going on at all is because the improvement in technology over the years in everything from the TVs to air conditionings to washing machines to uh, refrigerators and, and com even computers, everything, the improvement in the, the efficiency of all these is the only reason. If everything kept using the same amount of energy, our, our grid would have crashed a while ago. Chris German says global warming is an excuse to tax. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Everything's an excuse to tax when it comes to government. <laughs> a breathing it's, it's, tax, a clean air tax. A... Oh, it's getting that way. You know, I, I did a calculation a few years ago while my wife was working. You know, she's retired now. And, and I, I looked at her income and, and I looked at how much we paid in taxes for sales tax, property tax, income tax, uh, state income tax, everything else. <laughs> And I came up with a figure somewhere around 65% of her income was being paid out in all these different taxes. And, and I've got plenty of lefty friends around here who said, oh, the rich need to get taxed more. And, and trust me, we weren't the rich. We were people, we we're living the American dream. We could afford our payments. You know, isn't that the American dream these days? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, I, I looked at them and I said, okay, here's the deal. My wife is working Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and partway into Thursday, most of Thursday for everybody else. Okay. Mm -hmm. She gets to keep the rest of Thursday and Friday. How do you want it? Should she have to work all the way through Friday or part of Friday to make you happy? What's it going to take until enough is enough? And that's a problem. That's mm -hmm. a problem. You know, when I grew up here in Minnesota, the biggest employers were 3M, Honeywell, Pillsbury, and General Mills. Biggest employers now are the state government, the federal government, and local governments. Does that tell anybody out there anything about what's wrong with our society? Our biggest employer in South Dakota is healthcare. Is there you so go. that's and that's the same thing. It's because government is so involved in it and Oh, yeah. I was I, just I, talking about some hospital buying another hospital. It wasn't even another hospital. They were buying some company because we were medical coders. And so it was us. So they were buying this company 
and they were buying it for like $7.8 billion in cash. And I'm like, imagine that, that this healthcare company in South has, Dakota. <laughs> well, no, that, well, that one wasn't in South Dakota. Oh, but it's okay. like, imagine that healthcare company having $7.8 in cash that they're just sitting on. And uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of it comes from the government or direct is that, it all you know, comes from us. It's not a free market system, anyways. So no. there's no, com there's very little competition. I mean, we I could go on for days. But. No, no, no. And, and I'm offended by the healthcare system, you know, for for many reasons, including one. I'm not interested in getting on a healthcare plan where I pay for a bonus so a couple different people can get their Lexus every year. You know, I'm just <laughs> not interested in doing that. Plus, you know what? I'm sorry, but I just don't trust doctors. You know what? If if I got a broken leg or I need stitches, I get it. I go in there and have them take care of that. But when it comes to them trying to figure out what's going on, I don't want to be a guinea pig. That's the last thing I want to be. And that's here. Try this. Try that. Tell me what happens. What do you mean? Try this. Try that. It's not what your mechanic <laughs> says about your car. Let's just try the starter. Okay, that's let's like try the alternator next, right? Kind of like it's a chiropractor. They just want you to keep coming back. Oh, forever. <laughs> hey, hey, listen, I got a solution for chiropractors. And I don't mean to offend any chiropractors. It's called an inversion table. Okay. You get your own inversion table and you'll be just that teeter. I don't care who it is. Yeah. That, get, I, I've had one for 25. I used to have back problems. Uh, in fact, I collapsed to the floor and my wife had to carry in bed, me in bed when she's pregnant. They brought me down to the hospital because my legs were all over, shot me up and stuff. I bought an inversion table. The first time I flipped over, I fell to the ground in pain and crawled to bed. She's like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, it feels really good. <laughs> the, the next day it was half the pain, half the crawl. And it slowly, because my, my spine was separating. It was so used to being congested together. And when it finally flipped the other way for a bit, it got to separate and realign, and it made all the difference, you know. And that's half the problem. So I'm a big fan, big fan of inversion tables. But anyways, back to this environmental thing. I am an environmentalist. I, I, I'm the green pill guy. I'm the guy who's going to tell you we've got to do the right thing for the environment, which has nothing to do with hysteria or lack of science. Because that's one thing I see missing these days is science in anything. It's a consensus. It's always a consensus. There is no consensus in science, okay? Science either happens or it doesn't happen. It doesn't matter who agrees to it. Science okay. does not care about a judge. Science does not care about a politician. Science cares about what science is. There you go. I like it. Uh, do you have anything you want to plug before we sign out? Absolutely. I want to plug my uh, YouTube channel, The Turbine Guy. Hoping I go there and look and got a few subscribers. And I hope these guys, anybody on my channel who sees this, because I'm going to download you guys and post this on my channel. It was a great discussion. I had a good time. And, and so good. anybody who sees this, subscribe to these guys. They're great guys. They're trying trying to build freedom in South Dakota kind of thing. And, yeah. and I'm, I'm, open, I'm open we're making friends that way. So, so anyways, Turbine Guys, subscribe to me and my website, GoGreenEnergyOnline.com. GoGreenEnergyOnline.com. You can find me there. Go to the contact page. And then if you want to do a system yourself, wind, solar, batteries, I can custom design sell you one. But you know what I do get? I get people all the time calling me with questions. 
geez, I've got this because I've got do-it-yourself videos put up on my channel so you can see how to install this stuff. And I've done this and this. Is this okay or that? And you know what? I answer the phone every time and I help everybody out. So there I am, folks. Turbine guy, ready to help you. Hey, real quick before you go, I actually was going to sneak this in. Um, but because we met you at Freedom Fest, that's how we kind of heard yeah. about you. Um and we didn't have any guests last week. I was trying to get guests on to ask them like, about their experience at Freedom Fest. Oh, yeah, Fest. sure. So uh, was that your first time at Freedom Fest? It absolutely was. Um, next year, I, I actually asked them if they wanted me to be a speaker, and they were full, and they said maybe next year. And I think because of the videos I put out, because I spent a lot of time recording some different sessions, yeah. and I went and did one-on-one -on -one interviews. I don't think anyone else was doing that there. So because I did that, I kind of made a little mark with these people. So I'm hoping maybe I can be a speaker next year out there. It'd be fun out in Vegas to go out and do that. Yes. But I had a great time. I met a lot of great people. And it was so nice to be surrounded by people who just weren't wound up about everything. Yeah. Didn't take everything <laughs> seriously. You know, could take a step back and not only laugh at what's going on, but laugh at themselves too. And I think that's what's missing in today's society is people don't laugh at themselves anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't think that happens enough. Well, they made comedy hard with cancel culture. <laughs> yeah, they did. Absolutely. Was there any yeah. um, particular favorite part or favorite speaker? Anyone you met that you thought was like? Sheriff, Sheriff, Bo Sheriff Bob from Washington. Well, other than you two guys, of course. <laughs> right, right. Other than you two guys. Uh, anybody, Sheriff, ha anybody have a great booth set up there? <laughs> Well, the constitutional share, uh, yeah. you you guys had a cool booth because of your exhibits, <laughs> and I still don't understand why I didn't win the knife. I I, I, I thought the fix was in, but whatever. So, <laughs> so, so, so anyways, uh, Sheriff Bob was great from the constitutional sheriffs. He, he's from Washington. I did an interview with him. He's just wonderful. I sat in on uh, with Sheriff Mack and others uh, on uh, – on uh, uh, whether or not the justice system is broken, I filmed that. That that was great. Sheriff Mack is wonderful. You filmed that one? Yes, I did. So it's it's on, on my channel. Channel, all right. Yeah, and and then Angela McCardle, I did an interview with her. That was great. We talked about the Mises party and her running for chair, and then I gave her my support. Absolutely. I mean, I I love Angela. She she's great. She's great for the party. She's full of energy, and, and she's about succeeding, which is what we need. Yeah. And then um uh Larry Sharp. Yeah. Love Larry Sharp. He did an interview with me. I mean, he, he, he you know what turned his eye because I went and talked to him, showed him the media pass and said, "Yeah, I ran for Senate in Minnesota." And he said, "Well, how how well did you do?" And I said, "Well, I got 7% of the vote." He stopped and looked at me and then I think I was his buddy <laughs> because I ran as a libertarian and got 7%. Get Gary Gary Johnson got 3.5%. He's no, used to those New York, those New York percentages. I'm telling you, if yeah. South Dakota had a Larry Sharp, oh, you know, geez. like an just that charisma guy that's willing to go out there, bust his ass. Well, all, all he's got to do is all he's got to do is say he's a Democrat and say he lives there, <laughs> and then he's all set, right? Yeah, I mean that's how it goes these days. But no, I love Larry Sharp. He was great. I had fun at the uh, Mises Caucus booth, and I had fun at your booth. Um. Uh, you know, it, it, it was just a fun, oh, Spike Owen too. You know, I, my, my wife had met Spike at a dinner and I hadn't, and Spike was a great guy. I did an interview with him. 
I mean, just just overall, it, it was really neat. Just the open minded, and I hate to say freedom because it shouldn't be the word freedom. It should just be open minded conversations going on that we aren't allowed in this country anymore. So I really enjoyed Freedom Fest from that from that aspect. Yeah, it was our first yeah, time. I fun. liked it too. Uh, I wish the only, I just my regret is I wish we had done more things like you had done where we had went around and interviewed more people. And I don't know, I was preoccupied with our booth and stuff, but uh, yeah. yeah, it was a great, great event. Uh, I'm, I'm really glad they came to South Dakota. I know that. Oh, I am too. And I, I'm sad they're not coming back next year. I, I really Ooh. am. The, the money well, must, the money must be good in Vegas. Fingers crossed that Vegas locks down next summer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know what? Who the hell knows these days, huh? I mean, honest to God, I walked into a grocery store the other night with my son, and there were four signs. And the left sign said that the CDC says if you've had your vaccination, you can come in here without a mask. And the right sign said, CDC says whether or not you have your vaccination, you need to wear a mask. I'm like, which you've got two signs that conflict <laughs> on the same damn door. What the hell is going on in this country? It reminds me of uh, the terror threat level in the early 2000s. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's orange level today. Orange level COVID. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. it's like, when are we going to return to green? Not going to. <laughs> no reason to. Yeah. We're going to lose our power then. No, that'll never happen. <laughs> well, it was great talking to you. I learned a lot tonight. Uh, you're a very interesting person. we have to have you on again sometime. Well, I, I definitely appreciate that, and I'd love to be on again, and it's great to make ties with our neighbors from the communist state of Minnesota. It's nice to be talking <laughs> to some free people. That's all I got to say. Awesome. Thanks for coming on, Mr. Nygaard. Thank you, sir. See ya. All right. So, do you got anything coming up? Coming up with the party? Free, freedom Feast, September freedom Feast, 11th. September 11th. Yep. Uh, yep. Get your campsites. Hit Greg and I up if you want a campsite by us. We got like two extra campsites. Uh, but yeah, Greg's going to cook a lot of food. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be our third annual Freedom Feast. So, we're extra seasoned and extra practiced yep. at this now. So we're hoping a hundred people show up. A hundred people. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. Uh, we've averaged probably thirty people uh, at least. This one could be pretty big, though. I mean, shoot, just with my family alone, there's like ten of us. <laughs> mm -hmm. Nice. <laughs> but yeah, it'll uh, be fun. Uh, shout out to our sponsors, uh, Pinkcoin.com. Camp Ridger Seasonings. You can check them out at campridger.net. And the Dakota Rustler Show. Uh, that's hosted by Daryl Root, the Libertarian Party of South Dakota treasurer. Good stuff there. I don't know. Do we have anything? How was the Walk for Freedom in Mitchell? Oh, nobody wanted to walk. It was disappointing. Oh, okay. There was, yeah, there was only a couple of us. And then uh, Tara ended up getting a hold of us, so we... Had a couple beers on her porch or her Oh, nice. nice. Her place. That was all right. Went and ate some food, so my fat boy got fed. But <laughs> I don't know. It wasn't bad. Uh, 
I told him next time, try something funner. <laughs> yeah, just do frisbee golf. It's like walking, but then you're like trying to do some sport activity. Yeah, that park we were at actually had frisbee golf, and it was really weird. Like the uh, concrete pad would wasn't like very far, like thirty foot from the hole, I guess. For, you know, for, you know. Yeah. Like, I know it was really weird. I thought, but whatever. <laughs> um, next week we've got a Mr. Curtis Temple. He's a rancher out at Pine Ridge. Apparently, the federal government is stealing his cattle. A situation similar to the Bundy Ranch. I think we're gonna have a Mr. Roger Roots. He's an attorney for an activist from Montana. Uh, they'll both be on to discuss the case. Uh, that's happening right here in South Dakota, folks. So, uh, yeah, dude. I mean, we got to get exposure to this story. We're going to be probably following up with a nice blog article on that. Try to get the word out. But, yeah, basically all that saved Bundy Ranch from the same situation was awareness. People knowing about it happening and uh, doing something to stop it. So we'll yeah, have I think them it on. has something to do with the grazing rights and stuff like that. I, uh, yeah. It was a pretty, pretty complex situation, so it's a good, good podcast episode to learn all about oh, it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Fish Baldwin says, "See you at Freedom Feast." Nice. Yeah, he'll be having his cooking, cooking duties. Somebody Coping bring master. a vegetarian dish. If anybody out there is an expert in vegetarian cooking, yeah, there you we'd go. appreciate it if you could bring something. I think we had corn Maybe last a, time. That was yeah. Maybe there'll be a free t-shirt <laughs> in for you if you do. But that's the show. I don't got anything else. No, not really. Uh, we'll be back next Sunday at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, let me get my outro video here, but... Uh, Let's see, where is it at? I always have this awkward moment between signing out and finding my outro video. <laughs> All right, here we go. All right, see you next Sunday, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time with Curtis Temple and Roger Roots. See ya. See ya.